Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. And have we got a treat for you today? Um, welcome to the show, D. Yvonne Rivers. Hey, yes, here I am. Yeah. In full technical glory and so much energy, this lady has so much energy and such a huge heart. So uh, Yvonne is a birth mom and she is also the host. She's a podcaster too. So she's she's the host of uh, Birth Mums Real Talk, which uh, is just over two years old. So it's like two years and one week old. So congratulations on your birthday. Of your podcast yes yes thank you simon thank you so much so much has happened in this two years but it's just been it has struck me and i realized the impact i knew it was there i knew the impact was there i knew the people were there but just to see it and realize whatever and not and for the whole triad you know adoptees birth moms adoptive moms and to have that conversation and the title is specifically real talk Oh, we talk the real talk. So yeah. it's like no no holes barred. You know, we're going to pull off the covers. We're going to uncover the secrets that people have held in for 30, 40, 50 years. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, talk about it. So um, I was listening to the first episode of uh, Birth Mom's Real Talk already. And I'm going to put a link in that show note because this is all it was. This was all your 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 story, so uh, the story of your son who was born in nineteen seventy three. Yes, he'll be fifty years old this year. Fifty years old. Does that make you feel old? No, no. Oh. He's just old. <laughs> he, he he he's getting older, but I'm not. <laughs> no, no. This is the uh, Peter Pan of uh, Washington D.C. Right? Yes, yes. Or Petra. Petra Pan, yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, you reunited, um, was it when he was about 45, if I remember right? 45, 2018. So that's been five years ago. Yeah. Five yeah. years. Yeah. 40, he was 45. Yeah. He was 50 yeah. years. So five years ago. Wow. So if you want to hear more about that uh, story, listeners, then head on over, follow Click on the link. Listen to this episode first, of course, right? But when yes, you listen yes. to this episode, then click on the link below and, and listen to uh, uh, Damon, uh, Damon from Damon yes, from yes. Who Are We Really? Yes. Uh, Damon is a, 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 a great guy. I've been on his podcast. He's been on mine. And he was your inspiration. I think he was the inspiration or catalyst. Was he? Well, he oh. had a birth mom on his podcast. And before he had the birth mom, I'd been thinking, I knew I wanted to do something after the reunion because it was so many different things. I was in so many rooms. I was doing speeches and talking and whatever. And I said, birth moms need a platform. And so when he had the birth mom on his platform, it's like, yeah, podcast, Let's podcast. Yeah. So it it is like I, I emailed him, he immediately responded back. So we worked on it. So yeah, two years ago it premiered. Yeah. So it's great that like I I, I try to encourage all uh podcasters, you know, they encourage me. So I was a guest before I was a host, and a, a lot of people do that. So, you know, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of space in this. Absolutely. Space. Yes. Um and uh so the story, as I say, listeners, is is in the, the the link on the show notes. Today, what we when we uh, dis, when we met like six weeks ago, eight eight weeks ago, something we we would we came up with this title. I think you did or, or this topic 
of expectations, mm. expectations mm. in the union. Mm. Uh, if I remember rightly, that was on the back of uh, somebody saying to you, you told them that you were in reunion and, and they mm -hmm. said, well, I guess it's all okay now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have no clue. They have no, no clue. They, they look at reunion being the end. Okay, as if everything happened before the reunion. So once the reunion takes place, oh, everything's good now. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. And, and, and it varies. The reunion, quite frankly, Simon, and you know this too, varies on what expectations are on the adoptee side the adopted parent side and the birth mom or parent side because we come in as individuals. We come in as individuals. And depending on, I say, our personalities on whether we're patient, you know, whether we're in a hairy or we've got our own agenda, you know. So expectations really can be really quick, tri tricky in a reunion. Yeah. And you have to sort of pause your expectations and make sure you're in agreement with whomever you're in reunion with. The agreement, you know, and not have any, to me, and this is what I say, not have any other preconceived, oh, I met my son, so I'm going to be at Thanksgiving. And it's, oh, yeah, you know, oh, no, no, no. You have to work through it. You have to work through it. Yeah. So a few things there. Um, the first one that, uh, struck me as perhaps one that I wasn't expecting. I mean, I, I knew we were going to talk about expectations, but um, you talked about um, you talked about patience. Mm -hmm. um, so, what what have you learned about patience um, uh, yourself? Well, I, uh, yeah, you, what have you learned about patience yourself in your own experience? Uh, and, and what have you learned through through doing the through doing the podcast to through. Um, by listening to other people's experience. Yes, yes. Patience is necessary in life. Let's put it that way, in life. And the patience itself is looking at, I'm in business. And I always say, begin the way you intend to go. Now, we don't have a timetable that we can guarantee it's going to happen that way. So that's where patience come in because if it doesn't happen in the time frame or how you want it or whatever, so what are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, that this is just not working and you just leave it alone or you drop it? No, you put in your patience and you still ask yourself the question. This is what I ask myself. Is this all worth it? Because I'll make this statement. No matter how hard reunion is, and I say that, I'm real transparent. Reunion is great. I'm glad I found my son and he found me and all of that. But it's hard emotionally. And you've got to deal with those feelings and recognize that. But then it comes in, are you willing to do the work that it's going to take to have, a, to me, an authentic reunion? And you're going to have to be patient sometimes. It's not going to all, always off, uh, happen according to your time frame. Yeah. Or because a lot of the secrets, and I speak about this, about for us being a birth mom, people would put, I guess, parameters on, you know, just go away. You'll forget about this. They were just lying through their teeth. I mean, really, it's like, what's, what's that? How am I going to forget my son? Or my child or whatever. That's what was said. Oh, you know, you just just move on, move on. You know, so their expectations of birth moms was just crazy. That's what I say. It was just absolutely crazy. 
So during reunion, you have expectations, but you really have to monitor what are you expecting and is it realistic? Yeah. So the the thing that came to mind as I was listening to you talking about um, business and I was thinking about my own first kind of uh, real life business learning so i did i did some i did business at college but it was very theoretical um i joined a, a group uh, i joined a, a, a like a peer a peer-to-peer networking and oh, well, no a peer-to-peer coaching group led by an older an older business guy um mm-hmm. many years ago and one of the first books that he recommended was um the seven habits of highly effective highly effective people yes and i think the first habit is begin with the end in mind yes begin yeah. the way you intend to go yeah so you said uh yeah begin the way you in, 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 intend to go so pretend, begin the way you intend to go and begin the way you intend to be at the result yes the, the result that's vision that's vision. That's What's vision. your vision? That's mm-hmm. the vision. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do here is rather than uh, be short-term, a short-term approach, like um, uh, I was thinking of the word land grab for some reason. Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, you could have a, a mom grab, right? So um, you or a mum grab. We're 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 playing. We're being patient because we're the we're waiting for the we're working towards the result that we want the goal the goal the goals and 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 the joy to me is in the journey i'm looking and enjoying the journey day by day yes there is a destination or really is it a destination and adoption because it's lifelong so that's that's up for debate there. But I enjoy the journey because that's day by day, step by step, week by week, and whatever. And the patience come in of really when I say being realistic. I think a lot of times and every week, I'll tell you, Simon, I am just digging deeper and peeling off the layers of the trauma that I've been through for these 50 years. And as as spoken about when you listen to my story, I had trauma before having my son. So the trauma just doesn't begin when the child is placed in adoption. Most individuals, be it the birth parents, adopted or adopted parents too, have some trauma they're dealing with before they become adopted parents. So part of part of what where I am is being very realistic and allowing myself to grieve and work through my trauma, separate aside from my son. And that's, that's, to me, the most important thing. It's not about for him being able to come in and feel that hope. I've got to really feel that and work on that, and which I have been for all of my life. You know, so it didn't just happen when I'm in the union with my son. It didn't just happen when I had placed him in 1973. But it's like working through actually how, how, how my life, how my life began as a child. And, and that's a whole lot of complex drama. Drama and drama. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there is um, the begin with the end in mind. Uh, I love the way the distinction that you that you make there, um, uh, because the, the the end the end in mind that might be useful from a, a business perspective, but 
you're talking about the the start of the reunion um being starting with with the reunion you know you've got search then you've got reunion and that's yes. the start of a the start of a new start of a new beginning and yes. um and in and, and what we what we mean by patience is uh is what Yvonne did was you sent the message out to him on LinkedIn, didn't you? And yes. you waited three years for him yeah. to, to respond. But let's not forget, that was right in 2015. Let's not forget the 35, 35 plus years of the search, of the search without the, the ancestry, without websites and whatever. You know, I go into a lot more detail when I speak personally in people. I mean, I was looking at, at, at yearbooks of high schools and areas near where he may have been placed. Maybe he was in this, maybe he was in that, whatever. And just having a last name and a birthday, it was hard because it wasn't much accessibility to that. So like I say, for us in finding, that's why I guess I, I say I hit gold when I found that LinkedIn connection. That's him. Immediately when I saw that picture. Yeah. immediately and i had not seen him since he was 12 days old from 12 days to 37 38 or whatever i knew because it had been etched in my mind his nose his face and whatever mothers do not forget yeah so looking at the the trauma piece then um so uh I think we've probably had four, five, six birth mums on the on the uh, show now, and, and maybe I don't know three hundred other the guests, some adoptive mums, and, and and now it's mainly adoptees uh, that we have on the show. One of the things that I we we hear all the time from adoptees, and also adoptees who do therapy for adoptees, so adop right. adoptees who are also therapists for mm -hmm. other adoptees. They they talk about this pre-verbal trauma. Yes. So um uh so you you're obviously highly aware of your uh, trauma um and uh, and the and the lack of support in the face of that trauma from your mm -hmm. your family, which uh, again people can listen more um in, in the story about. So how do you see this kind of playing out the similarities and difference between the post-verbal trauma if we can use that word that you and other birth moms have gone through and the uh, and the pre-verbal trauma that um, adoptees who, who like me are adopted young right how, how do you see those playing out what yeah well, well number one we as birth moms need to recognize of it wasn't just our trauma but it was our child because I really thought about it then. I didn't have the words. You know, I was 20, 21 years old. I didn't have the words, but I knew it was like, this was something tremendous in my life. And I remember for a saying, or maybe writing in my journal, journal that my life changed October 11th, 1973, when I became a mother. I was a mother, whether my son was with me or not. But I then also recognize it's like something's got to be going on with him. Because number one, he's a newborn. He didn't have any words. So that's when you talk about a pre-verbal trauma. I couldn't identify at that time what effect it would have on him. But I knew it had to have an effect on him because it had an effect on me. Now, one thing about me, and that's just my personality, 
that I've always been from as a child to be able to face directly straight up the scenario. And when I say call it out or speak about it, because as, as people, when they read, when they listen to the podcast, they'll hear me say, my family didn't talk about it. I went to the hospital by myself, came home. I announced I had a son because I wasn't asked that question. I wasn't asked that question. What would what, what, what I need? How can I help you? I just, I have a son. That was like me just saying, I have a son. Whether y'all listening to me or not, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to go from here. I don't know what, whatever, but along with it. And so with that, I encourage all birth moms to realize that your child has that preverbal. They couldn't talk. They couldn't talk. So the decisions were made by those who could talk, which was the birth parents and the adoptive parents. So the first step I really encourage birth moms to do, even before finding, looking for your child, recognize that trauma across the board. Across, then you can better understand the scenarios of when reunion may happen or if reunion doesn't happen. Because it's reunion that will cause additional for his recognition is like, wow, he's right in front of my face. But even if I had not found my son, I was still in trauma. See, that's what you have to recognize. It isn't a reunion that just satisfies everything. It's like how you really pro process. And the process is you doing your own work. And that I'll say all the time, get your therapy, <laughs> whether it's journaling, whether it's really affirmations and whatever we need to do. And I speak by myself. I need to do the work that I need to do. What before I met my son, when I met my son and continuing now five years and continuing on. This goes on and you have to be, I guess, present with it. And admit, I mean, because sometimes people want to hide their feelings. I'll tell you, Simon, during the holidays, which is his birthday is in October, those are tough times for me. Those are really tough times for me. And, and to the point of thinking of just all the trauma and, I mean, actually grieving and not being able. I shut myself down. I really, because I'm getting back to releasing my schedule to do some more podcasts because I had a long list, but there are times that I can't do the podcast because I'm there to help these birth moms. I need help. So raise your hand when you need help and recognize that. And it's okay not to be okay. That's yeah. what I say all the time. So I'm going to get onto that in a in a minute because that's one of my mentors, um, uh, one of my mentors, mentors, mantras, uh, mantras. It's okay to not be okay. Yes. Um, so I just want to draw attention to you know uh, we 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 say as a, a when in when, when adoptees are chatting we say that you know everybody's experience is different, every adoptee is different, but there are some common themes. Da da da. Mm -hmm. And, and I think exactly the same thing goes for birth moms. So you use the word admit. I uh, I, I remember ad, uh, interviewing uh, an adoptee from Canada sometimes in the early part of the uh, in, in the early part early, early days of doing the podcast, and her birth mother could not even admit that. that Face to face, when presented with overwhelming evidence yes. that she was this lady's birth mum, natural mum, whichever you prefer to call it. Yes. 
and and this, the, the the birthman of the national could not admit it. Yes, it, she she was stuffing her. She was stuffing her or her, her, her trauma. Her brain couldn't cope, and her, her brain right. was stuffing that that event. It was right. totally out of her mind. So this is we've got that's at one end of uh, one end of the continuum, and at the other end of the continuum, we've got um, mums like you, yourself, Yvonne, who are all about facing the scenario, mm-hmm. and and I'm going beyond that, and, and the. Um, uh, the actual, what should we say? You know, taking on the, taking on the task of helping. Yes, speaking out, speaking out, speaking out, speaking out. And and I'll tell you something, Simon. Some of the ladies who's been on my episode on my podcast, this is either their first time saying it out loud, and then saying it in public. Some. I don't always say this. Some have aliases because their family don't know. Uh, One particular mom, I remember she's someone recently. It was her podcast was her coming out. (laughs) And I said that we was coming out. No one knew. No one knew that she was the birth mom. She did the podcast. She then with the podcast posted it on her Facebook to come out to her family. Wow. After years. After years. So when you talk about for a said or admitted, some of for the first step, admitting it. And next thing, sharing it. Third thing, maybe sharing it publicly or at least within a circle. But then it can allow you bit by bit. You sort of, I look like, is I really equate it to like peeling an onion. You know, an onion has really thin layers. When you peel an onion, you know, first layer, okay, then you dig a little deeper and you get the second layer, but it's still thin layers. So it takes a lot of peeling. And people have different processes and different paces they're at. And that's where some there are a lot of birth moms out there who will not be on a podcast, who will not talk about it. They may go into a support group. Sometimes they don't even want to be be open in a support group and use an alias in a support group. No one knows you, but you use a fake name. So you're just coming out of the shell. Yeah. That's where people, you need to give yourself patience and grace because you can't be, I don't expect people to be like me, other birth moms to be like me because everyone is individual with that. So wherever you are, that's where you need to be yeah. and work yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I, so a, a strange thing on, on this, a similar kind of topic struck me yesterday when I was I was doing some kind of little sums in my head. And I, I reckon that there, we have a lot of adoptee authors on the, mm-hmm. on the show, right? Right. And um, I, I found most of those adoptee authors uh, on the show on, on a website called Adoptee Reading. Dot com, right? Mm-hmm. So it lists, and I think it lists something like eight hundred, right? Eight hundred authors, and I, I, and it's a pretty comprehensive list. I, I I think if we were to say, be we were to be generous, we we would say that maybe there's twice that amount. Or let's round it up, right? We, we're talking about two thousand authors, two two thousand adoptee authors who have. Um, 
you know, most of them done done some work, done some resolution, have found the therapy in the the, the writing of the memoir process uh, therapeutic and you know, but how how many adoptees are there in the world? And I, and I reckon it it may be something like three million. Well, I I suggested more than that. The average now. Let's, let me, let me give, give a disclaimer. In the United States, there's an average of 150,000 adoptions per year. 150,000. Now, not all of them are just from birth. Some may come out of foster care. Some might come from like adopting a stepchild or something like that. So if we just did an estimate of, of 100,000, 100,000 per year, that's why I say there are a whole lot of birth moms out there that are not coming forward because they're at a state state or whatever with that. So if we say 100,000, we go back 10 years, you're talking about a million. Just 10 years, you're talking about a million birth moms. So likewise, birth moms and then birth parents. So it's a lot in the triad and in that constellation. So when you talk about those who have written their memoirs or whatever, there are a lot not even ready and will even be close to doing that. And and the other the other thing is that we might be comparing uh, other birth moms listening to this or other adoptees listening to this might be comparing themselves with the other guests that they hear, right? Mm-hmm. And th- th- those those people, uh, their experience is, is is way different. They are, yes. you know, they've they they are where they are on 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 their journey and it, it isn't going it, it may not be helpful to to do that it may not it's just not it's not i'll make this statement myself it's not helpful no matter what the scenario is to compare yourself to others because we're all different that's why we have different fingerprints i'm so i'm so clear with that is that our power that we have within ourselves is within ourselves and we need to engage what we have been endowed to do because we're different people. We process different at different stages or whatever. The other thing about fours and differences, I think, and I'll, I'll say this myself, I didn't really know the upbringing of my son, of looking at what kind of environment, whatever, because your environment, that nurture really affects the nature. So it's like, I know who I am as a personality, but it's like getting to know him. I'm learning him as a new person, just like I would learn if I met someone else five years ago, still building that relationship. So I'm building to learn him based on his own environment in which he grew up with how he is. So there's some things that are truly nature that will come out. Other things would be a combination of nature and nurture. So it's not, I don't set it, I quite frankly, Simon, do not set an expectation that my son will be like me. I, I am, like you said, I'm outgoing, I'm business and whatever. He's got his own business also, and but in his own unique way with that. So my expectation for him is for him to be who he is. Yeah. And for me to have that unconditional love that no matter what, not setting in a scenario that, well, I called him and he didn't call me back or whatever. And I've seen other birth moms just face out about that. They get so uptight and they will sometimes drop that relationship. I can't do this anymore because I want him to do this. I want you, we as a people cannot expect others to live how we live. We have got to really develop that relationship and be able to speak about it 
seven, being able to honestly, authentically, well, by this, I get the idea that maybe you don't want to. Then have a conversation and a dialogue. I think a lot of times people assume, well, if they didn't call me back, they don't want to be in a relationship with me anymore. That's crazy. You know, so yeah, so you've, you've, you've got to have an idea and ask the questions you need to ask. I truly believe anything can be asked or said with diplomacy in a way and a direction of love. It's how you say it. But we have to come out and be able to be comfortable in saying and talking to our family, uh, birth family, birth mom, dad, adoptive family, and all of that. It comes down to having communication and dialogue. That's where you build. Yeah. So one of the things that's coming to mind as, as I listen to you, and I was thinking about this last week in the in the swimming pool, right? So I I swim like five or six times a week i sometimes it's half an hour sometimes it's three quarters an hour and i and i walk the dog like an hour and a half a day and and i've still got little muffin tops you know the little love handles above my jeans you know um but i I see these people in the swimming pool and you know i'm swimming hard-ish and i'm swimming for 40 45 minutes something and i see these pool people in the pool and they are them maybe maybe they I think they've just got they just got in and they're and and they and I've never seen them before and they just got out and they and they they didn't do they didn't so what was your expectation so you had a set expectation that some of them in the pool were to do what you were doing well yes does that why 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 did you have that expectation of them well it's it's not it it, there was a, a, a guy absolutely just shot past me yesterday, right? Normally I'm the fastest guy in the pool, but there's this new guy. He must come at different times. I don't see him. I wasn't going down the expectation route with them. What I was thinking was that this is about persistence. So if you go to swimming once a week, right? And you, if you say you want to lose some weight and you go swimming once a week and you do 20 lengths and it takes you 20 minutes, you, you, you may have burned. 150 calories and, and and then you think oh so i deserve you know i deserve an extra pack of uh, chips or you know like i that you know, it's not going to work you know but people will give up people give up and w- what is there to say about persistence other than sticking at it right what can we say you know if, if like p- people in business are looking for their um the the silver bullet aren't they and, and, and I say there's no such thing as a silver bullet. Well, there is. It's just tr- try to, some new things, do more Begin of the, what In the way you intend to go, and in that interim, step by step, you're working what you need to work at your pace. At your pace. Ex- at your pace. Just an persistence. example. Persistence. Your persistence level is different than everyone else's. Everyone's not going to do those 20 laps or whatever, every or even every day. But it's the whole thing. I got my eye on the prize. My, my eye on the prize is to develop the most authentic, genuine, loving relationship with my son. That's my goal. That's my goal. So I'm going to persistently stay with that. Nothing will deter me. And I go back to for is the fact of from the time he was born 
and I would write in my journals and I was able to show him some journals I had 25, 30 years ago. I would find my son one day because I never gave up on that and nothing will deter me from that. To say it's, no, it's not easy. I'm real clear because this is an unknown playbook and we'll use it. We, we actually do use this word. My son and I will use this word. Uh, is that it's a roller coaster and, and this is a playbook that needs to be written between the two of us. Yeah. It's a playbook unwritten. There's nothing that's in writing. Well, this is how you do a reunion the first week. That, not there. Not there. It has to be developed. So, um, on, on one hand, we've got this emo emotional roller coaster. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, you referred to that uh, just now, and you referred to that in the interview with, uh, with Damon. And on the other hand, you've got this it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. So how do you put those, what's, what's your take on putting those two things together? It's okay not to be okay when you're able to say that the fact this is a roller coaster, and I will say it how I say it is that it's a roller coaster and I'm thrown off the roller coaster some days. I'm on the ground. Sometimes I have to stay down there for a while. Sometimes I can easily get up, but I get back on. I get back on because I'm on this road to on the way that I intend to go. I will never lose sight of my goal of have, having and building, build, use the word building. It's not going to happen overnight. Building this relationship with my son. I don't know what the next week, the next day or whatever will bring, but that's why you have to be that pliable, flexible to say, oh, okay, all right. Uh, I see this and then still stay towards the goal because back again, I, I put it with business, but I put it in personal, any kind of, any other kind of relationship. See, I think a lot of times, Simon, that people will think, well, this, this building that relationship with my son or daughter or mom or dad and adoption is really different than the steps of building relationship with anyone else. It's more emotion. Because this is something that I say this, and I truly do say this, unless you're in that triad, adoptee, birth, or adopt, you don't understand. My very best friend over 50 years, she's not an adoptee, birth mom. She's there for me, but she doesn't understand. So you have to recognize the fact and not, and I don't expect her to be, put herself completely in my shoes. She can feel my hurt and pain or things I may be going through, but she can't put herself in your shoes. So how I acclimate for is the fact the emotional roller coaster allows you to fall off the roller coaster, spend all day crying, and then get yourself up. Okay, all right, it's okay not to be okay. Give myself grace and not keep beating myself up. Well, I should have done this. I should have done. No, stop it. Stop it and recognize your values. The fact that you are who you are. You're where you are right now. Because I look at it this way. My goal is to be the very best mom my son could ever have. That's my goal for me. And for me, as well as for him, it's not just for him. I'm the best to try to, be, I do my best to be the best person for me. That therefore will be the best mom for him. Wow. Um, I love your word, grace. I love yes. your word, grace. Um, grace and healing. Grace, grace and, and healing. healing. So I, I heard this phrase from one of my mentors yesterday morning, uh, listening to her podcast, and she said, 
drenched in compassion. Mm. Drenched in compassion. And that sounds to me a little bit like what you mean by grace. Yeah. Yeah. So can can you can we you said grace and healing? Can we look at grace first and then we'll look at healing in in a couple of moments? So what what do you mean by grace? Grace is giving yourself um the place to be who you are, where you are, and not beat yourself up in very plain terms. That we all need grace because we don't always do, I don't say necessarily the best things or the things or whatever, because I speak about it for is and I'm not looking for myself to be along this same vein or whatever. And if I can't, like if if I say, Back again, for as an exercise and whatever. I live in a building. It's got like a gym and so forth. And so I say three times a week, I really want to walk around the building 30 minutes or go on a treadmill and so forth. If I don't, I give myself grace. But I also stay focused is the fact that, well, how can I make that up? Because if you don't give yourself grace, you're beating yourself up to me or whatever. And that grace itself will really show us that we're worthy. We're worthy continue on and that will help us with healing you cannot heal if you feel as if you're a mistake that's where shame comes in shame is when you don't believe you are good as a person guilt is when you feel as if you've done something wrong with birth moms all that was thrown on us shame and the guilt yeah. <laughs> you know you know you're a bad girl or whatever or the good girls and i've had some of the, the podcasts was one, I can't remember who. And she said, well, I was bad. And, and that's how she described herself, that she felt uh, uneasy telling her parents because she was a bad girl because she'd had sex before out, outside of marriage. Um, now, that means you're not worthy or feel like you're not worthy because that happened to you. And, and another aspect of me understanding also, I say, go on for is you're not who, what you've done. Judge not people for what they've done, but look at who they be. Don't put that what they did as an act, whatever that act is. Look at how they are as a person. When people say, well, I'm a good person, I have good character, whatever. What you may do. I mean, I look at that. I mean, I'm really, I'm really clear with this is the fact that people who have done heinous acts or whatever, that act itself was separate from that person. Now, probably their character defects uh, uh, caused them to do that heinous act. But you have to look at that person. Is it, well, that's something you did. And I think a lot of times people hold hostage over people. I look at, I do work in re-entry and I see people who have been incarcerated and they hold that over. Well, you were ex-con for 30 years when you spent 30 days in jail. I mean, same thing for birth mom. Oh, you're just shameful. You had a baby. Even something triggered me this, I was this week, I was some kind of movie. And it was actually, it was a birth mom. I think it was somebody who said, birth mom adoption or whatever. And it had been like 30 or 40 years, but the people had no, didn't know anything else about her other than she'd had a baby. No, I don't believe she'd had a baby or whatever. Or just being a teenage mother. That's the other, that's what it was. It was acclimation to being a teenage mom. So being a teenage mom and never marrying the person or whatever else and just having your child and raising your child, that is still something that's put on as shameful. Forget yeah. that you placed them from adoption. 
You know, so all this thing of placing these labels on people, call me by my name, Yvonne. I answer to nothing else other than Yvonne. Do you see grace and shame as two opposites then? Not exact opposite. Grace is grace is for us. I think grace for us in, in, in giving yourself that space. Mercy is really relieving something for maybe what you have done, uh, whether it's been something guilty or whatever else that you don't hold over your over yourself or others. When we say grace and mercy, that we, we understand people. We give them grace and mercy because we need grace and mercy ourselves. Yeah. So I always look back to, you know, when I always heard my grandmother, you point one finger, you have four pointing back at yourself. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. So what's your what's your take on um, not beating ourselves up? Because as far as I can tell, everybody in the world, uh, whether they're an adoptee, a birth mum, a, a non-adoptee, whatever, every single individual in the world, that they they have a, a voice in their heads that, mm-hmm. that, that is the constant companion, and, and right. a lot of the time it beats our, it beats us up. So what what's your take on 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 that? Turn down the volume of your critics and yourself, and turn up the volume on who you are. And speak about who you are. Everyone has something to bring to the table. One of my mottos for a business and elsewhere, and I say it, I never fail. What I mean, I never fail. I always succeed in producing a result. If I do not like my result, I simply change my actions. So you produce something. So you never fail. So you've got to speak positive affirmations in yourself because a lot of times, as you say, for is people grew, grew, grew up or grow up with this in their ear. And then when something's in your ear long enough, that's like building the habit. You do something 45 days or whatever, you can build a habit or whatever. But along with you, if what you've been feeding into your ear is negative, You'll start talking negative about yourself because you tend to believe, well, well, they said it. And, he, and I had a conversation with someone the other day, Simon, about who is they? <laughs> T-H-E-Y. Well, they said this and whatever because they, we were at, at an event and we had food trucks out. And, and a young lady came. She was late. She said late, but we had the afternoon session. And she said, well, they said go over there. And I said, who was they? Well, they, now who was they? And why did you choose to follow that? You know, that, I mean, who is that? Who is that? But too many times we, we've got in our head because it's been put into our head. Now, as I said before, I have just, my personality has just been focused on, I'm not going to listen to what you say about me. I'm going to believe what I believe about me. And if it's different, I'm going to stick with me versus listen to what you said, no matter how many years. That's and that's how I've had to grow up. You heard me talk about for the fact of breaking out of this function because and 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 I had to do that myself. Because when you're in an environment that everybody around you is the same, you're not gonna break out until you get out. So so separate yourself and get out of that circle of negativity. I mean, I'm so immune. I say immune is a word of whatever. I can't do gossip. I can't do can't do drama, Simon. When I, when when I hear the first word, nope, gotta go. You you may I can't make you leave, but I can remove myself. Yeah, 
and I have to do that. So let's talk healing then. What does healing mean to you? Healing means that you're able to manage, manage. I don't say ever get completely over because with adoption, I don't think there's ever complete whole healing because it's lifetime because you're steadily going with it. Healing is when you're able to manage the trauma that you're going through. Take, for example, in fact, I didn't stop my toe, but it was middle of the night. I got up last night. I hit the back of my bed and I noticed I've sort of bruised a little bit around my knee. Now with healing, and, and I use this, is sometimes the healing will come that you have to dig deeper. Now, I didn't put an antiseptic or whatever on it, but there, there, I look at the fact, especially if you got a wound of anything, a physical wound, if you got a physical wound, typically you put some kind of ointment, iodine on it that's going to hurt a little bit more before it can heal, whether it's a burn or whatever else. With emotional healing, that means you've got to dig down deeper and admit and acknowledge the pain. Because you cannot heal what you do not admit to. And you have to go through to get through. Because yeah. if you emotionally hurt healing and whatever, if you ignore it, you're just going to ignore it. It's still there. It's still there. So my healing is, comes each and every day, week and all that. Because I'm dealing with where I am, acknowledging where I am, grateful for where I am. The gratefulness is the fact, no matter what, if my son never speaks to me again or whatever, I found him. I've seen him. That was my goal 45, 50 years ago. So I really acknowledge that. So my healing is has really taken a different aspect and more directive since reunion. Because before finding him, I couldn't start the healing with him. I could start it with myself. That's why I truly believe that you need that that communication and that dialogue with people, the child and the parent uh, uh, talking together with wherever they are, wherever they are. Some can be verbal, some are not comfortable uh, for whatever and be able to walk through and work through. You know, it may be loyalty to the adoptive parents. You know, I'm always asking questions. And one standard question I'll ask, and maybe birth moms want to do that. I say, how can I, I'll say to my son, how can I help you? How can I help you heal? You tell me what will work for you. Because yeah. I'm here. I'm here as that parent. Whether he, when he turns 50, 60, 70, if I live long enough and he's 100 and I'm 122, <laughs> I will still be asking him, how can I help you? <laughs> how can, because helping him is going to help us. I'm real clear with that. Because the, um, the, you know, you mentioned the word shame a couple of times. That that it, it, it seems to be pre present for both birth moms and, yes. uh, and adoptees. From an adoptee perspective, I, I see all the... Um, so the, 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 I'm just trying to think how to... How, how to um, set this question up right so basically birth moms especially in the 60s 70s and to this day but, but yeah. they they have been barraged by shame yes. Okay? Yes. now most adoptees haven't 
they haven't been. So most adoptees have, have been sold this kind of, um, you know, the, the, the unicorns. You don't think they've been touched by shame? So I think they have been touched by shame, but they, they've grown, most of them have grown up in, in, most of us, most of us adoptees have grown in an environment of fairy tales and, 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 and unicorns of, of adoption, right? Uh, and but most birth mums have been basically slated and uh, and othered and and shamed. Like t- to me, it, it it would it it feels it would feel kind of overwhelming. But and I'll tell you the reason why I asked you that question because, as you say, you know unicorns and and whatever, and adoptees who were told that they were adopted. That may have been one time. But along with it is that what I've understood, and I've talked to a lot of adoptees, I hear from a lot of adoptees who listen to the podcast, First Mom's Real Talk. And they were saying, well, it was mentioned to me, but then it was never spoken about again. When you don't speak about something again, that's because you're feeling shameful about that. Because if it wasn't shame or something, then adopted parents would be talking about it. But a lot of adoptees may have been told, well, you were, you were chosen or whatever and whatever, so you now adopt it. But they don't have the conversations about it. So anytime I'm in a conversation, I know them or not, if they won't talk to me about it, there's shame around that. Okay. So it's different. It's a different sort of shame. It's a, the shame of silence rather than the shame, yeah. than the shame of being yeah. pulled out and and a point to you you know i don't know when you uh for is in and were told you're adopted if it was only mentioned one time that did you feel like you could come and ask questions about your adoption well i was told um just before i was two okay uh, I, 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 my mother what did you understand about adoption did you understand what adoption was? The two? No, but later on they bought me a book that explained it, um, and I I didn't feel I I, I felt um, what's the word? Yeah, I I I, I felt attached to my my mum, okay. and, and, and 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 my mind can often play tricks tricks on me and I don't have a I don't have a lot of memories about talking about adoption. So my 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 gut feel is that we didn't talk a lot about it. Right. Right. However, I do remember my sister asking me if I ever felt about when I she'd be about eight, I'd be about ten. Um I did I do remember her asking me if I'd ever thought about finding my real mum and dad. And 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 I said um no, mum and dad are real mum and dads. So, so that is that is kind of my anchor that I hold on to in terms of my early experience because I I don't remember. Right, right. We, we and the reason, like the reason why I say that that shame and guilty, it can really be on all three triads: birth mom feeling or being being told to be to feel guilty because you did something wrong. You had sex outside of being married and you got pregnant. A lot of other people have sex outside of marriage and don't get pregnant 
But because you did, you guilty, and that's shame. Shame on you with that. With the adoptee, I truly believe, and I've heard a lot, a lot of them say that, is that when they are told that it's like you're adopted, but is there a conversation, even at a later age when they're able to comprehend and so forth? Because things you do not talk about, there's some issue there. There's a that secret there. And secrets are, are are shameful or whatever, and they keep you sick. They keep you sick. So, and, and whether it's a secret, see, and I really look at it, Simon, I'm really thinking about for it's not just adoption. Same thing if there's alcoholism in your family, there's drug addiction, there's incarceration, there's incest. You have these secrets, so that shame is there. Shame is a powerful thing if you allow it to take you over. And, and but a lot of times it's like you're overwhelming you. You you don't have a choice because you don't feel like you got to out for it. Yeah. So it's hard. So uh, how did? So um, I remember listening back to your story. You you told your mum that you were pregnant. You told your dad that you were pregnant, and they just basically I think they blanked you. Really, did they? Did they just? No response. No response. Just like I'm talking to you now, Simon, and I ask you a question, or I tell you, hey, Simon, I'm going to go get a drink of water, or I got to go. You can just look at me, just like you're looking at me now. You're not saying a word to me. That's what I got. Wow. But that was, when I say the but, that was what I had experienced. When I mentioned I had trauma before I got pregnant, that was my trauma growing up in a dysfunctional yeah. family. Did, did other people... Um, shame you later on? Did your parents shame you later on? Did other people shame you? When you, when you said shame me or whatever, even those those are told and so forth, no, because <laughs> this may sound crazy. I, I didn't accept the shame if they were shaming me. I'll yeah. put it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll put so it that way. There's a there's a there's a, a big thing. There. There's yeah. a big lesson there. Because right. he, when 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 people may say, um, and I tell you, that was 50 years ago. My son would be 50 this year. And this was something, since I've been in reunion, and I was in actually a grief group. It wasn't just for adoptees. It was a grief, grief share or whatever. And I shared my story and said I had given birth and had placed my son in adoption. <laughs> and a woman across, it was a, this was an alive in person before COVID, and she said, you gave your baby away. <laughs> it took everything Simon, for me to hold on to this chair. I said, I did not give my baby away. I placed my son in adoption and went in to explain for his effect. And she, she, it took her off because that's what she had, that perception. Her perception was anyone who placed an adoption, gave your baby away, you care about him and whatever else. So I schooled her. I educated her to let her know. And she did apologize because she was saying that's what she had. Go see that back again to people's environment and their perception is the fact that she didn't understand. And that's how she perceived it. Yeah. You know, I had that's placed my son. So you gave your baby away. You didn't love your child. And see, and that's a lot of uh, uh, assumptions that are being done with birth moms because this whole idea that we wanted this secrecy or, or didn't want our children to find it, 
or the closed birth certificates. You know, um, my son was born in Virginia. Virginia had a bill in the in the uh, legislature to open for original birth certificates. And I testified, I sent him letters and so forth. And I said, who gave y'all the idea that birth moms across the board did not, oh, don't ever contact me. That was not anything that I signed. So they just created this thing. We just gonna close this, you know? So that's the whole thing that people try to decide for you. And I'm speaking of this fact, that was never anything for me. It was never anything for me. And for most birth moms, it's like that society so that's what that they society or adoption or whoever else the laws the laws of the state that your child is born in decides for you that this is the law that everything is closed that was not the wishes of most birth moms can i take you back a bit can i take you back a bit here because there's something very big and you 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 just it, it, it's uh yeah you, you you kind of just gave it a couple of uh, a sentence or so so you said um, people uh, people tried to shame me, but I didn't accept it. Didn't accept it. Don't call me out of my name. Can, can you tell, talk a little bit more uh, about that? Because it, it's, it's, I haven't heard many people talk like that. If, if you know who you are, you first have to know who you are. And and let me just put it this way, because as you as you hear in my podcast, you look back to the, the era that was born in the 1960s, civil rights and so forth and right to go to school and so forth, blacks and whites and whatever. I had to I had to or develop that sense of knowing who I was because I was called outside my name when I was in high school, just because I wanted to go to a school that had more subjects. I was college level and so forth. So they call me on from inward to anything else. I couldn't buy into that. So I'm not going to answer to anything that's outside my name. But well, even before that, even growing up as a child at seven, eight, nine years old, it was my parents were older and they really had not been exposed to a lot. So a lot of times when I would say I want to do this, like I say, I wanted to be a doctor in Africa. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially living that life because with the work that I do in Africa, it essentially for its business healings, I grow businesses and whatever. But when I spoke about that as a child, it was like, girl, you're not going to do that. You can't do that. I didn't listen to that. I didn't listen to that because I knew that's what I, I wanted to do. And back again, wanted to do, capable of doing and so forth. So I tuned it out. Just as I had to tune out my parents not listening to me, you know, I couldn't make them listen to me, help me, support me. I recognized I deserved it. I recognized that I should have gotten that from them, but I couldn't control them. But that didn't stop me. So when you know who you are, you will not answer outside your name, but you've got to first know who you are. You are worthy as a person. As a person, period, no matter what, what you've done, where you've been, or whatever, when you first acknowledge that as a person of who you are, you will not answer outside your name. You know, relating to for as any kind of scenario, because I've been through a domestic violence situation. I'd say he must be crazy because he don't know my name. And it's like, I'm not answering anything outside my name. I mean, but so it's across the board for me. 
But you have to build yourself up with that. That's where affirmations, it's not just affirmations, but just trusting and believing uh, that you're here for a reason on this earth. You bring value no matter what you do, where you are and so forth. And that's with you building yourself up. A lot of birth moms, obviously adoptees will go through trauma and feeling as if that this abandonment or whatever. Well, if I was placed in adoption, my parents didn't love me and whatever. And you have to work over that. You build up that. So then you won't accept that. Well, you you got issues because, yeah, you've got issues because you're adoptees. you got issues because you're birth mom or adoptive moms too, because trauma's there too. Trauma's there too, but you got to deal with that trauma. And, and be able to say and know who you are so you won't accept. And you're right, I didn't accept. In other words, because I, I'll give the silent treatment to them. They may be calling me outside. You're shameful you did that. I'm just ignore them. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. Don't talk to me. Brilliant. And uh, listeners, if you've ever looked at the Thriving Adoptees podcast logo, you'll notice it's a diamond. Ah. it's a diamond to express our worth. Yes. And see, have you read the book? What is it? Acres of, I think it's Acres of Diamond. Acres of Diamond. And this gist of the story, I believe, is the fact that it's like a person uh, owned a house and they were about to sell the house because they felt as if it wasn't any value there. Well, in the backyard, there were diamonds, so I think the title was Acres of Diamonds. So it really, the gist of the story is recognize what you already have. It may be in its raw use, because if you think about it, diamonds, diamonds come from stones, a real, I don't know, the largest diamond or whatever. It may look like a just a rock, it may just look like a rock, but the essential essence. So you have to put that pressure on a diamond to come out with a gem and a jewel. And I look at that with all the things that the adoption constellation goes through, it's pressure. But when you work through it, allow that pressure and, and manage that pressure, you'll come out shining as gold, shining like a diamond. And when you say begin the way intent, so that's what I'm looking for for my son and I to build that, that genuine, honest. I really, I have an acronym I call H-O-T, hot. Honest, open, and transparent life. There are no secrets. My son knows everything, everything, <laughs> because that was the whole thing. And and really, in hearing him talk about, for us, I didn't know about you. Well, he knows everything. I keep him abreast of everything. I have nothing to hide. I'm not shameful for anything. And I want him to be open and honest to know that he can ask me anything, anytime, anywhere. And not hide that from you, because that's where it comes. If you feel like you're trying to cover something up, people are not going to ask you questions. Yeah. Wow, what a what an inspiration! Love, I just really loved this conversation. The time's flown by. We've been on just over an hour, so wow. that's um, amazing. Uh, so, listeners, as always, check out check out the the, the show notes and listen into uh, Yvonne's. Uh, story and the other stories uh, because understanding where birth mothers are coming from and understanding where they're at I, is incredibly healing for mm -hmm. when you hear someone else it's sort of like not not you you can just cry together but recognize where you've come from because i think also with adoptees and understanding 
from adoptees or birth parents or whatever else with that. But knowing that, and I, if I have to say the goal that I, that I wish people would take away from me and my reunion and whatever, that through it all, I never gave up for 45 years of finding my son. Because I think a lot of times people may give up, may give up. It looked dark many, 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 many different years. Because I, I looked at the fact that, well, I never knew how Simon I would find him. When I just didn't know, but I, I, I and I and I had it in writing. I was able to show him in writing that he could look back. Well, you wrote because I think it's common. Well, you wrote this years ago. Yep. because <laughs> I, I believe, I believed I'd see you one day. So I never gave that, gave up on that. And even in times when I say four is the reunion begins the processing and the healing, even more so together, because I was on my healing path before. And we, I think we both said for us, this begins really our healing together. And it's a road, I don't know the pathway it may take. It may go off next week, tonight, whatever else and so forth, but I'm in it winning. I'm in it winning. Nothing, nothing he will do. He is my son. He's my blood. Nothing will ever deter me. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you, listeners, and we'll speak to you very soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.